Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Ask Andrew podcast. So glad you're here with us. And I have good news for you. Today, I'm going to answer a question that was sent in from somebody named Melissa. Before I do, let me get some grounding, some, some let's get our bearings on the ground we've covered so far. And I hope you remember, if you don't, I'll just mention again that way back in the first episode, I talked about the virtue of prudence and how important that virtue is. And I suggested that a good definition for prudence is the idea that when you're being prudent, you are taking the big ideas, you're taking principles, you're taking concepts at the sort of abstract level, let's call it, but the general ideas of life, like it's good to share or um, truth is beautiful, something like that. And when you're being prudent, you're applying that in the actual circumstances of your life. Um, you're adapting, right? You're you're. You're not in any way compromising the principle. In fact, the whole point of it is to embody the principle, but you can only embody the principle in circumstances. So what I'm trying to cultivate through this podcast and myself, and perhaps even in the listener, is the virtue of prudence. How can we apply truths, good things, beautiful things, to our daily teaching, to our daily lives? And in that context, I suggested this great big idea of what Christian classical education is, a very general idea, and that is that it is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue. Now, that's not quite as general as saying be, the verb to be, which is about the most general thing you can possibly say, but I admit it's pretty general, the cultivation of wisdom and virtue. And then I suggested that the way we cultivate wisdom and virtue in our students and our children is by nourishing the souls of our children on the true, the good, and the beautiful. Then in the last episode, I brought it a little bit closer to earth. (laughs) I even brought a number into it. I talked about the seven liberal arts. And I suggested that there are two groups that the tradition gives us two groups of arts called the trivium and the quadrivium. And the first of those two groups is the trivium, which is the three language arts, the three language arts. And the point of those three language arts is to bring harmony to our mind, to our thoughts, to our mind, and to our community. And I left it by suggesting that there's also a quadrivium for mathematical arts, And I'm going to guess that some of you are thinking, what on earth could math have to do with virtue? And some of you might even feel attacked by that. You might feel that I'm suggesting that because you aren't a math person. You're not a virtuous person. And you're absolutely right. You're not. Well, I should probably back up a little bit. I'm not saying you're not a good person morally, but there are 
intellectual virtues that you haven't cultivated. But that's okay, because Einstein once said, um, if you think your problems in math are difficult, I can assure you that mine are far more difficult. Well, part of the corollary to that is nobody has attained perfect virtue in math, and it may be that you ought not at this stage in your life to, to be pursuing the virtues that math cultivates. But that's a different question from what we ought to be doing in our children. Now, my argument is that math is one of the ways that we manifest the image of God. And I'm suggesting that because, well, Ezekiel liked math, but I'm suggesting it too because it's unique to us as humans. Animals cannot do math. I know there's the horse that supposedly tapped out the number of times it did something or heard something or whatever, but animals cannot do math. And all you have to do is get up to 10 and they're done. Horses can count to four, apparently, because they have four hooves, right? But they're not counting like you and I count, and I'm not going to go into that. I'm just saying that math is unique to us. If you disagree with that, that's too detailed and big a question to pursue now. But on the assumption that math is unique to us, if it is unique to us as human beings, there's a reason for that. And that reason is because we are the image of God, and math is one of the ways, one of the many ways that that image is manifested. And for that reason, we can give glory to God by learning math, just as if you remember that movie, The Chariots of Fire, um, Eric Little, the missionary, could give glory to God and feel God's pleasure by running. Why? Because God gave him that gift. He wanted him to run, so he ran. He wants us in varying degrees, in varying circumstances, to do math. I can make a case in other contexts for the virtues, even the moral side of the virtues, but right now let me talk directly about maths themselves, the four liberal mathematical arts. And what I want to point out is that when I was talking about the verbal arts, I was saying... I was suggesting that the verbal arts each provide some means of coherence or some means of harmony, that the goal of the liberal arts is to bring harmony to sentence, to thoughts, mind, and community. Well, what about math? If I can oversimplify, and remember, that's what we're doing. We're oversimplifying because we're moving from the, the vague general picture to details as we, as we go through time. But if I can oversimplify... I'm going to mention and name the four arts, and then I'm going to say the harmony that I believe each of them enables. First, there's arithmetic. Then there's geometry. Then there's, well, what should I call it? You maybe have heard it called music. Some of you may have called it, heard it called harmonia. In other words, it's the art of harmony. Well, for now, I'll just call it music so that that can create lots of confusion. And then finally, get this, mathematical art of astronomy. Well, what are we talking about when we talk about those four arts, and what on earth do they have to do with harmony? Well, let's start with that first question. What are we talking about? Arithmetic is the art, frankly, of counting, of calculating. Arithmetic is adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing, but it's also contemplating those things that happen when we add, subtract, multiply, and divide. Let me give you an illustration here, an example. Some of you might know, maybe you've used Saxon math, or maybe you just noticed it, that anytime you add nine by any number, 
and then you add up the answer, the sum of the digits that make up the answer equals nine. Okay, so an example would be nine times seven equals 63. Okay, the answer is 63. The digits that make up 63 are six and three. Add them together, what do you get? Right, nine. Six plus three is nine. All right, nine times five is 45. Four and five are the digits. Add four and five together. What do you get? Nine times nine is 81. Add eight and one together. What do you get? Nine times 18 is 162. 90 plus 72 is 162. But if we add one, six, and two together, what do we get? One plus six is seven, plus two is, you've got it. You can do that with any number you want. Multiply it by nine, then add up the digits, and you'll get nine. Some of you already knew that, didn't you? Some of you knew it because you figured it out. Well, I have an entertaining task for you to do tonight. I'm not going to do it now because it would take too long, but here's an entertaining task. Do the same thing with 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. 8 times 2 is 16. 1 plus 6 is 7. 8 times 3 is 24, and you can go from there. Maybe even make a table across the top, 1, through, one 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and down the left side, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and just multiply those out and have a box big enough to put the answer and then combine the digits and see what you come up with. That would be an example of what, how numbers behave, how numbers relate to each other. Prepare to have your mind blown just a little bit and prepare to ask, why didn't they let us do this in school? Which is what people always say when they learn about classical education. Arithmetic is watching how numbers behave. What is it harmonizing? Well, put simply, it's harmonizing an equation, right? Three plus two equals six minus one. Ah, you see what just happened? When I said 3 plus 2 equals 6, you felt stressed out, didn't you? At least you did if you knew that 3 plus 2 doesn't equal 6. But when I said minus 1, it brought peace to your soul, if you're healthy. 3 plus 2 equals 6 minus 1 is an equation. You know what it is? It's a mathematical sentence. 3 plus 2 is a subject. Is 6 minus 1 is the predicate. And just like in grammar, subject and predicate have to agree in number... So in math, subject and predicate have to agree in number. Now, what's happening as I'm talking here? What's happening is not only are we bringing harmony to an equation, not only are we bringing harmony to um, numbers, but yeah, we're bringing harmony to our minds. We're extending the harmony from math into grammar. We're extending... We're extending the whole concept of harmony. We're moving uh, further into the harmony that is the universe we live in. That's what the purpose of arithmetic is, to bring harmony to mathematical equations, but even more, to practice bringing harmony to the mind. What about geometry? Geometry is the study of shapes, length, width, and so on. So if arithmetic is multitude, the how manyness, geometry is the how muchness. How long is that? How much of a line is there? How much of a triangle do we have? 
But it's also about the relationships between parts of a triangle. It's the relationship between parts of a shape. And so what are we doing? What are we bringing harmony to? Well, we're bringing harmony to shapes. We're bringing harmony to shapes in relationship to each other, but we're also bringing harmony to our mind in relation to shapes, to lines, to points, and so on. And what I'm contending here is that the real purpose of geometry isn't so that you can build bridges, although God be praised, a bridge is a great thing. It's a good way to bring harmony between man and nature. It's not just to shoot um, rockets to the moon, although what a great thing to do. And it's certainly not just to blow people up in their cities because we have good trajectories on our missiles. No, the purpose of geometry is to bring harmony to our minds by thinking about shapes. And if you need a justification for math and you don't consider yourself a math person, let me just say this. In our society, we tend to have disordered souls. Part of the reason for that is because we simply don't have enough practice bringing harmony to our souls, to our thoughts. And we grow up not even believing it can be done because we always have to be practical. Not harmonious, not beautiful, practical. And I sort of resent that there's a difference between the two in our culture. There's nothing more practical than the true, the good, and the beautiful. And one of the reasons it's so important is because it brings order to the soul. Now, let me just add with this th- end with this thought, and then I'm going to pick up the next two um, quadrivium arts in the next topic. But I want to answer the question that was given to me, because I promised I would. The child in our culture is going to live in a world where harmony is difficult to attain. And one of the things he's going to have to learn how to do is endure discord with the hope that in time the discord will be resolved. One of the best ways you can do that is to teach him how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide and do geometry. Because when you don't have the answer, you have discord and it bothers you. But if you lose hope, you just accept the discord. Don't let them lose hope. Teach them the discipline of enduring, hopefully, in times of discord, with the confidence and faith that in time, this discord too will be resolved and a new and greater harmony will be attained. That is what I want to propose math teaches better than, well, I was going to say better than anything else, but I'll just say more obviously, more explicitly than anything else. Now, I have to apologize because I'm so out of time. I've gone so long that I have almost no time to address the question that I, that I mentioned. So what I'm going to do is read the question, and then I'm going to return to it in the next session, the next podcast. The question is, what is the classical philosophy's view? What is the, what, what is the classical philosophy's view of the child? In other words, in the classical philosophy, what do people think of a child? Now, I have two basic answers, and I'll pick them up in the next session. First of all, in the classical tradition, there's a lot of different views of the child. The great thing about it is they're all well thought out. And you can explore deeply and challenge your own assumptions about what a child is. And in so doing, you will deepen your understanding of a child. That's the general answer. 
I mean, a um, evasive answer. Let me give you my answer, my understanding of what a child is in light of the Christian classical tradition. A child is three things, essentially. He's an image, he's a temple, and he's a person. He's an image, he's a temple, and he's a person. Let me pick that up in the next podcast. But thank you for listening, and may the Lord remember you in his kingdom. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.